Hi, Horror Honeys. We have an amazing deal for you from Adam and Eve, America's favorite adult store. Use our code HORROR for 50% off almost any item, plus free shipping. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off almost any item, plus free shipping. Head to adamandeve.com to find something special for yourself or someone else. That's code HORROR, H-O-R-R-O-R, at checkout for 50% off plus free shipping. Order now and get ready to f- Hot and lonely. Hello, everyone. Hi, listeners. Welcome to another exciting episode of I'm Horrified. I'm Horrified. Woohoo! Woohoo! Maybe we should, instead of doing a tasteful ding when we say horrified, what if we just for one episode did an air horn? (laughs) So distracting. Desperately distracting. After you and I spend so much time finding like the perfect level of the ding so it's noticeable but not too loud and distracting. It's, yeah. I'm, I'm just like, let's pop an air horn in there. In some earlier episodes, I remember somebody wrote into us like, I really like your podcast. The dings are blasting through my ears <laughs> when I listen on my headphones. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. We were like, fair enough. Fair enough. So the dings are better now than they once were. But Allie, I'm very excited today because I feel like I'm going to do something that's just like classic vintage I'm horrified. Ooh, tell I'm, me what you mean by that. Tell I me what like that means. Both of us, like, we're both multi-talented, multi-hyphenate stars, right? But we both have niche er- interest areas that we fall into. Yes, we both have noticeable patterns, I Yeah, think. and I think for me that one is like, is, is like royalty and like weird historical tangents. Right. And I get to take you on another of those weird historical tangents today, and it's been a while. Your historical tangents are indeed my favorite. (laughs) It's been a minute since I got to do it, so I'm very excited. Today, I'm going to be talking about Caroline of Brunswick. Caroline of Brunswick. Which I'm so excited about. I don't know anything about her other than she's from Brunswick? Yeah, great. Yes. Okay, I know that. Solid start. Yes. Yeah, so um, we're going back to the hits. Um, just for fun, when you host a podcast like this, sometimes you just Google things being like, maybe this is going to sift something interesting up. So the other day I Googled like, who were the first royals to get divorced? Because I was just like, what? Let's still, let's just see what this sifts into, into my, uh, internet. And so like, we all know like Henry VIII, divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived. In reality, those divorces, like, they didn't really exist like that. It's really like annulled, beheaded, survived, or, you know, like a, di- a divorce the way we think about it wasn't really a thing back then. Yeah, it sort of had the vibe of a divorce, yeah. but it wasn't a divorce. So I went down my little Google rabbit hole and I found a cu- this couple who I'm not 100% sure they're like the first royal divorce, but they're truly so toxic. So I just had to talk about them with you today. Perfect. So we're going to talk about Caroline of Brunswick and how she was done so wrong by her husband, King George IV. Uh, to give you an idea of timing here, King George IV, uh, who throughout this story is actually Crown Prince George, is the son of George III, obviously, and Queen Charlotte. If you've watched Bridgerton... Queen Charlotte is the queen who is in Bridgerton, played so delightfully by Golda Rochevel that they gave her a spinoff show. Uh, and another, if you're not a Bridgerton girly, George III is the king we're fighting against in the American Revolution. So, like, that's also Jonathan Groff and Hamilton. Just to give you a good visual. <laughs> Just to get you squarely in the time period we're talking about. George IV, who is, again, throughout this story, Crown Prince George, is then also the uncle to Queen Victoria. So, like, that's where we're pre-Victorian. We're firmly in, you know, Charlotte and George III. We're just after America's getting away. That's the time period we're talking about here. But before any of that... Sorry, I thought you were about to say something. No, I was. I was about to be like, all right, I've got... I've got... I think I've got it. Amazing. I feel like... I feel like I'm there. We're rooted into the time I'm in the... Uh, where are we? England? Yes. The forests of England. Yes. My feet are on the ground. You're transported. I'm transported to a castle? Yeah, probably. Yeah, a castle. Yes. Stone, stony. Yes. Castle. Probably. Yeah. I'm not an architect. You don't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> this is about my experience right now. Yes, we're just transporting you. So, but before any of those, like, historical things I just said, 
We have little Caroline, born in 1768 to Charles William Ferdinand, the Duke of Brunswick, Wolfenbuttel. And <laughs> that one's not real. <laughs> I, that's my best attempt at a pronunciation. And his wife, Princess Augusta of Great Britain, the elder sister of King George III. We love a cousin marriage in the British royal family. Of course so. we do. It uh, always works out. It's it, a nice thing. There's never been anything wrong keep with a cousin Keep it marriage. in the family, but like really in the family. <laughs> like keep it in the family. Speaking of cousin marriage, so Caroline is the third of seven children. Her parents are second cousins, and it's believed that their familial bonds may have led to three of her four brothers being born with significant learning or physical disabilities. We love a cousin marriage, but there's consequences to them. Caroline, unfortunately, did not grow up with an example of perfect love in her home. Her parents had been in arranged marriage, and her mother had just kind of, like, never settled in Brunswick. She was always, like, very English in her temperament and would always talk about how she preferred England. And Brunswick is in, like, Germany. Um, just... I was about to ask. I was like, is Brunswick not in England? Yeah, this they're from Germany. Wait, <laughs> New Brunswick is somewhere. Is that in Connecticut? No, I'm thinking about, like, New Haven. Canada, I think. Canada. There you go. And so her mother is just, like, not adapting to Brunswick very well. Her father, meanwhile, just having a ton of affairs, not even being secretive about it. He's the kind of guy who has an official royal mistress. So just... Yeah, that sounds right to me. No good. The mom is not into that, and it makes life for their children quite stressful. Uh, Caroline told a friend of hers, Lady Charlotte Campbell, that, quote, my father was most entirely attached to a lady for 30 years, who was in fact his mistress. She was the beautifulest creature and the cleverest. But though my father continued to pay my mother all possible respect, my poor mother could not suffer this attachment. And the consequence was, I did not know what to do between them. When I was civil to one, I was scolded by the other, and was very tired of being shuttlecocked between them. Child of divorce, hive, rise up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Call your people. That's right. <laughs> Let me call my people to me. Child of divorce hive. Um, but poor Caroline, uh, it's just no fun growing up in her house. Also, I don't know if I'd be crazy about the idea of my kid calling my husband's mistress. Uh, the beautifulest the and cleverest. The most beautiful, clever lady. I'd be like, all right. Yeah. I do <laughs> She's think, fine. So Caroline, like, was a daddy's girl, I think. Like, she generally preferred uh, her see. father. But she, like, even in this, as she's like, his mistress was great. She's still, like... Acknowledging how fucked up yeah, it is. Yeah, she's like, it just yeah. could not work for my mom. And it just meant that if I was nice to one of them, the other one was mad at me. So, like, what am I supposed to do? So, Caroline is not especially well-educated. She can understand English and German, but she much prefers to dictate her letters rather than write them. She's also extremely sheltered, even for the standards of the time. She is rarely allowed to leave her home, and even if she, when she is allowed to, like, go to a ball or go to, like, a wedding of one of her cousins, she's, like, pretty much never even allowed to dance. Like, she just has to sit at a table with the old women. Um, she's described at this time as lively and pretty, but, like, what good is that when you're stuck at home? Yeah, you can't just be hot and lonely. Yeah, exactly. Hot, and lonely singles in your area? <laughs> hot, lonely singles in Brunswick? In her, in her area, for, certainly. A very funny story pulled straight from Wikipedia. Um, her isolation tormented her, which was demonstrated when she was later again banned from attending a ball. She simulated an illness so severe that her parents left the ball to see her. When they arrived, she claimed to be in labor and forced them to send for a midwife. When the midwife arrived, she stopped her simulation and asked her mother, Now, madam, will you keep me another time from the ball? <gasps> Jeez. <laughs> so she was like, you're not going to let me go to a ball. I'm going to cause a fucking scene. This is some Cinderella shit. It really is. It. it really is. <clears throat> so you can imagine, Caroline was totally on board when a marriage was arranged for her that would get her just the fuck out of her house. Take me away to a fantasy, and by a fantasy, I mean away from my god-awful parents. Yeah, and what a man that she had managed to catch. None other than the crown prince of England, George. He's only six years older than her, which, like, old-timey talk, Ooh, not that's, bad. That's perfect for old, yeah, it could be 40 years. He's handsome, he's charming, they have never actually met, but seems like he's going to be a really great match. What Caroline doesn't know is that George, George's experience has basically been like the opposite of her upbringing. First of all, his parents like each other. Um, they have an unusually happy marriage for the time. 
And to prove it, they have 15 children. So they're just really, they like each other. It's crazy. It's so rare in royalty. Um, Secondly, he really has not been sheltered at all. His father was quite conservative and had led like a quite by the book life. But when George turns 18, he's giving his own household and he just goes buck wild. He's a heavy drinker. He's a lover to many women and he has very expensive taste. Amen. When George turned 21 in 1783, he received a grant of 60,000 pounds from Parliament, which is about $11 million today. Jeez. And an annual income of 50,000 pounds, about $9.5 million today. So he gets $11 million up front and then $9.5 million annually. Jesus. When he turns 21. Unfortunately, his stables alone cost 31,000 pounds, which is about 6 million dollars or 6 million pounds today. You said stables? Yeah. Like horses? Yeah. Just the horses? Just the horses, already 6 million pounds. Jeez. So he's like he's like the the 9.5 million pounds you're giving me, half of that's gone on horses. This is barely keeping me in horses right now. Um plus he loves to spoil his wife. That's right, his wife. Wait. Caroline's his wife. No, no. No? (laughs) No, no. Oh. (laughs) Soon after George receives this massive inheritance at 21, he falls deeply in love with Maria Fitzherbert. She is a commoner. She is six years his elder. She's twice widowed. And she's Roman Catholic. Just not the ideal bride for a crown prince. Disaster. But nevertheless, the prince is determined to marry her. And this was in spite of, like, multiple things in their way. There was an act that barred the spouse of any Catholic from succeeding to the throne. So, like, if you're married to a Catholic, you're out of this line of succession. And there's also an act that disallows any marriage of anyone in the royal succession line without the king's consent. So, like, very illegal on multiple levels that they get married. But nevertheless, they get married in 1785 at her house in Mayfair. Legally, the union is totally void because the king's consent was not granted and indeed was never asked for. Uh, He just kind of went ahead and did it. Easier to ask for forgiveness, I suppose. There you go. Um, However, for Maria Fitzherbert, she considers herself the prince's true wife. And she says that the law of the church is superior to the law of the state. So basically, like, we were married by a priest. That supersedes things in the law that say that we're not supposed to get married. That's some real Catherine of Aragon energy. There you go. But for political reasons, she understands that their union has to remain a secret. And so she promises not to reveal that they're married. But living fast and loose has consequences, especially for a crown prince of England. Prince George is plunged into debt by his exorbitant lifestyle. And his father refuses to assist him, forcing him to lose his house and move into Maria's place, which is so embarrassing. To you have to move in with my girlfriend, wife? <laughs> have to move in with your girlfriend when you're the Prince of England. And so in 1787, the prince's political allies say, like, okay, let's do a parliamentary grant and relieve these debts. Like, Why? Because <laughs> it's not a good look when the Prince of England is fucking around. And his allies, like, want him to look good because they want him to, like push their stuff This feels like when we bailed the banks out. It does. It really does. It truly does. So at this point, everyone's kind of like, hey, George is really close with his mistress, Maria, and there's a rumor going around that they're fully married. The revelation of that marriage really would have fucked things up for George. He would have had, like, no political allies were it known that he had gone and done this marriage that he was not allowed to do. So George asks his friend, the Whig leader, Charles James Fox, to declare that the story is a big lie. So Charles James Fox is like, like, by word of his majesty, like, there is no truth to this. Um, One person who doesn't like that statement very much, Maria Fitzherbert, his wife, who's like very offended by like, hey, like, I know we're not really telling people we're married, but did you really have to fucking make a statement like, oh, I would never be married to Maria Fitzherbert? Like, just don't say anything, right? Yeah, I get it. She's like, um, I just didn't love the tone yes. of this. <laughs> like, it really yeah, was. we can't be married. I get it. We can't be married. But like, there's no need to be rude. Yeah. So the, she, he ends up, Prince George ends up like barely appeasing her. He gets another wig, um, Richard Brinsley Sheridan. To kind of just restate the declaration in more careful words. To just kind of be like... Even though she's super pretty... Yes. And super awesome, they're not married. Like, probably like, well, the king did not give permission for a marriage. So there's that. Anyways. 
Um, and so then Parliament grants the prince some money to settle his debts and get his house back. Unfortunately for George, he's not able to fully resume his luxurious lifestyle because his father's health begins to decline. This is the other, like, quite famous thing about King George III. Modern doctors think he maybe had, like, porphyria or maybe bipolar, but in any case, he goes into these states where he is unable to rule. Like, he's... And again, like, it's not clear if it's, like, is it something in, like, his enzymes with his liver? Is it, like, a mental health disorder that's impacting him? We don't really know. But either way, he just goes into these states where he cannot actively rule. So the here, that state lasts about four months, which is a long time for your king to be just out of commission. And in that four months, Parliament has a lot of long dubiously legal debates about who should be regent in the king's place. Because really, Parliament's not supposed to be able to meet without the king, like, giving his opening speech, and the king cannot give his opening speech. So Parliament's meeting, but they're like, we can't even really be meeting. Like, we're just... I feel like Charlotte should be able to poke her head and be like, yeah, it's good, you guys can start. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, like, to a degree she's trying to do that, but she's mostly just like, my husband is ill. Like, I yeah. just have to take care of him right now. So Crown Prince George is an obvious choice if, like, we do want a regent. He's going to be the next king, so it maybe makes sense that he steps in now. But a lot of people don't trust him because he loves to drink and spend money. Uh, and they're like, if we make him regent, he's just going to, like, promote all of his friends and not really do anything good for England. And he's like, yeah, that sounds like exactly what I'll do. And he's like, probably, yeah. So they're, like, debating something where they're like, okay, he'll be regent, but he'll have all these limits on him so he can't do certain things. And Prince George is like, if I'm the regent, fucking, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Like, you're not going to put limits on me. I got to be my own man, man. How's that working out? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Luckily, before they ever decide any of this, King George recovers. So he's, like, kind of back up and running before they, he officially become, ha, needs a regent. But it became clear to everyone it was time for the prince to get serious. Cue Legally Blonde musical. Time to get serious. <laughs> it's it's a bang. How I'm much sorry. of our audience do you think gets that? Like 20, 25%? Oh, I'd Less? say more. No, I'd say 40. Okay, good. I'd say a lot of people would know serious. From if you're Legally tuning Blonde. in regularly to listen to us, you've you got to know, you the, know Legally the Legally Blonde, Blonde musical. So George spends the next few years racking up more debts. And then his dad gives him an ultimative. He says, you're going to marry your cousin and settle the fuck down. And George says, fine. <laughs> Very romantic. So Caroline is summoned from her Oh home. no, Caroline's back. Oh shit. Oh no. <laughs> so happy to finally be free of the oppressive world no. in which she's been living. Oh. Um, a diplomat named Lord Malmesbury arrives in Brunswick. <laughs> not real either. <laughs> That's his name. That's so silly. Lord Malmesbury. <laughs> Malmesbury. Oh my god. You this must is, go get my bride. We would constantly make fun of our secret third co-host, British <laughs> roommate Becky, because like she would be talking about being home and like all of a sudden she'd be like, yeah, and then in like West Skittlesburg. And I'd be like, that's not a real place. It's not real. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I'll take it down. It's okay. Lord Malmesbury arrives. Lord <laughs> he arrives at Brunswick, this man, to escort Caroline to her new life in Britain. Um, and in his diary, Malmesbury recorded his reservations about Caroline's suitability as a bride for the prince. He thinks she lacks judgment and decorum and tact. He thinks she speaks her mind a little too readily. She acts a little indiscreetly. And she often neglects to wash or change her dirty clothes. Now, in her defense... In our COVID era, how many of us were changing our leggings daily? When you don't leave the house, maybe your clothes are not quite as clean. Just saying. And she was, like, locked up. And she life. was in her COVID era for the first many years of her life. She's, like, just stumbling out into the sunlight, the poor thing. And I will say that the other thing Malmesbury notes is, like, on their journey, they go pretty close to the front lines. It's like the Napoleonic War era. And they hear, like, a cannon go off, and many of the ladies are, like, very scared, but Caroline, like, takes it very well and is not scared. So Malmesbury and his notes are like, okay, like, here's some good things about Caroline. She's, like, very brave in the face of, like, what was very scary to some other people that were on our journey. But she should maybe wash her clothes a little bit more often. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. So on meeting his future wife for the first time, George calls for a glass of brandy. 
He is disappointed. <laughs> oh no. But I no. will say similarly, Caroline goes to Malmesbury and she says the prince is very fat and he's nothing as handsome as his portrait. Ouch. Sparks are not flying between the yeah, two. Yeah, it doesn't seem like people. the wedding bells are chiming right now. Um and on top of that, although George had sent a letter to Maria Fitzherbert telling her it's over between them, and he tells his brother like it's a pretty clean breakup, like they're both kind of like, yeah, this is just what had to happen. Um, George had still brought along his mistress, Frances Villers, the Countess of Jersey, who had been appointed as Caroline's Lady of the Bedchamber. Why did they always do that? I know, because they want to keep their fucking mistresses close to them. And you can't just have a lady around. She's got to be, like, with the queen. Yeah. Um, apparently throughout their first meal together, the prince was appalled by Caroline's garrulous nature and her jibes at the expense of Lady Jersey, And Caroline was upset and disappointed by George's obvious partiality for Lady Jersey over herself. So he's like, you're being a bitch to Lady Jersey. And she's like, you like Lady Jersey so much more than me. You brought your mistress here. (laughs) And you're not, you don't think, you think I'm thrilled about that? Yeah. Uh, The happy couple are married in 1795, less than two weeks after they first meet. The prince complained to Malmesbury that Caroline was unattractive and unhygienic. I want to play about Malmesbury. I want to play... Sweet Malmesbury. <laughs> ...about him having to listen to both of these royals in his ears, like, so miserable <laughs> with their marriage. And he's like, yeah, I don't think it's good either, but... Fuck each other. Don't fuck each other. <laughs> no skin off my nose, except I will be executed if this doesn't work yeah, out. <laughs> exactly. In a letter to a friend, the prince claimed the couple in the throughout their marriage only had sexual intercourse three times. Twice on the first night of their marriage, and once on the second night. He wrote, It required no small effort to conquer my aversion and overcome the disgust of her person. Oh, that's me. Oh, jeez. Caroline claims that George was so drunk, he passed the greatest part of the bridal night under the grate where he fell and where I left him. So she's like, he slept on the fucking floor. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> they, they, it's truly hatred at first sight. Like, I was, I'm combing the internet, like, what did they not like about each other, right? Like, sure, like, maybe, maybe he's fatter than his portrait. Like, maybe her clothes need to be washed, right? Like, (laughs) these are things we can get around, right? But they, they meet each other and they're like, I hate this motherfucker. Absolute pass. It's not just like, I'm not thrilled with my spouse. It's like, fuck you on sight with them. Oh my God. It's crazy. So they only apparently have sex the three times, but if you do it right, you only have to do it once. Caroline gives birth to their only child, a daughter named Charlotte, nine months after their wedding. (laughs) Well, there you go. Uh, Just three days after Charlotte's birth, when in theory George should have been the happiest with his wife because she had just given him a beautiful, healthy baby, he made out a new will. He left all his property to Maria Fitzherbert, my wife, while leaving Caroline one shilling. (laughs) Oh, God. So fucked up. (laughs) Ouch. So it's not a secret to anyone that George and Caroline are very unhappily married. Caroline is not shy about her hatred of Lady Jersey, and Lady Jersey is opening all of her fucking letters and telling people her business. And the press is not shy that they see Caroline as the wronged party, while George is like gambling his life away, which is not untrue, but really made George mad. That like everybody was like, this Caroline seems awesome, and George sucks, and George was like, I'm your prince. You should like me more than my bitch wife. And they're like, but you're awful. (laughs) And he's like, either way. (laughs) That being said, (laughs) it hurts my feelings. Just four months after their daughter's birth, George wrote to Caroline, we have unfortunately been obliged to acknowledge to each other that we cannot find happiness in our union. Let me therefore beg you to make the best of a situation unfortunate for us both. And kind of the two have completely separate residences and mostly separate lives from then on out. So I'm kind of like, maybe that's fine. You know what? It didn't work out. We're just going to live separately. Whatever. Yeah, sure. Right? So Caroline gets Montague House in Greenwich Park to herself. And she begins living like a really not too bad life. Um, Her daughter, Charlotte, as a royal baby, is not really raised by either of her parents, but, like, a series of governesses. That's just kind of the way... I think that was, like, most royal babies. Yeah, royal babies work. But in the summer, Charlotte lives very close to Montague House, so Caroline's visiting her all the time in the summers, which is so fun. And allegedly, Caroline also feels a little bit freed from her marital bonds, which, God, we fucking know George was already feeling. 
So she's flirting with Admiral Sidney Smith, with Captain Thomas Manby. She may have had a brief relationship with a politician named George Canning. Uh, but she still has plenty of time to herself. Good for uh, her, right? frankly. And so she decides to adopt eight or nine poor children um, and foster them out to people in the district. So basically she's just like paying for these children. Like she, they're not really in her household, but she's like, you're now adopted by me and I'm paying for your life because you're a poor child. Um, and then she adopts a three-month-old boy named William Austin and unusually she takes him into her home. So all the other children had kind of been, like, fostered to normal households, but she was just kind of writing the bill for them. William Austin is growing up in her house. So that's, like, a little bit funky. Not, well, that like... seems fine. Seems fine. And Caroline has a bestie, Lady Douglas, who lives next door with her husband, Lord John. Unfortunately, they have some kind of falling out. And all of a sudden, the Douglases are talking a lot of shit about Caroline. Namely, that she's been having a ton of affairs, and that William Austin is actually her son. Scandal. <gasps> Scandal! Huh. So, in 1806, a secret commission was set up known as the Delicate Investigation. Great title. That is a good title. Excellent name. Uh, to examine Lady Douglas's claims that Caroline had been sleeping around and that William Austin is really her son. The commission um, comprised a lot of, like, the most eminent men of the country. And so Lady Douglas testifies that Caroline herself admitted to her in 1802 that she was pregnant and that William Austin was her son. She further alleged that Caroline had been rude about the royal family, which that's her ex's family, so of course she was, touched her in an inappropriately sexual way, and admitted that any woman friendly with a man was sure to become his lover. Um, very when Harry met Sally of her, to note that uh, men and women can't be friends. Can't be friends. Nope. <laughs> she was ahead of her time in a lot of ways. Um, and so in addition to the three men that I mentioned earlier, Smith, Manby, and Canning, uh, also artist Thomas Lawrence and Henry Hood, who, who it, the internet just told me is son of Lord Hood. And I was like, Henry Hood. Yeah, that would make sense. He was the son of Lord Hood internet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> helpful. Sure. Thanks. Um, are also mentioned as potential paramours. So there's like five different guys who Lady Douglas is like, Caroline's sleeping with all these guys. Now Caroline's servants have a lot more loyalty than her former bestie, and they are not ever confirming that these gentlemen were her lovers, and they do not say she was ever pregnant. And they all specifically say the child had been brought to Caroline's house by her by the child's mother, Sophia Austin. And Sophia Austin is summoned before the commissioners, and she's like, yeah, that was my baby, and I brought him to be adopted. Oh, now I feel bad, because I feel like, you know, like, back then it's like, oh, orphaned children or whatever. It's like, no, they're not orphaned. Yeah. It's just their families are too poor to take care of them. Yeah. It's so why not just give the money? I know. It's so not. be taken care of by their families. Not a good situation. Very similar to episodes that we've done recently. Yes, it's true. But so, basically... Even though Lady Douglas is talking shit, they can't get any of the Lord, of Caroline's servants to be like, yes, she was pregnant and I helped her give birth. They can't get any of the servants to be like, yes, there's men in and out at all hours. <laughs> and they have a woman saying, like, that's my baby. <laughs> like, that's the baby I gave birth to. So Caroline is found innocent. But even the fact that there was an investigation is a pretty major scandal. During the delicate investigation, Caroline was not permitted to see her daughter Charlotte and afterward, her visits were restricted to once a week and only in the presence of Caroline's mother. So, like, she never gets to see her kid anymore. Aww. Which sucks. Uh, then something happened that was bad for England and arguably worse for Caroline. George III had another episode and became permanently unable to rule, leading to Prince George becoming the official regent and giving him the power to mess with his wife, who, again, truly had never done anything that bad to him. Uh, George restricts Caroline's access to Princess Charlotte even further, uh, and Caroline becomes more isolated socially because high society people choose to go to George's events rather than hers. They're like, now that he's the Prince Regent, we really have to be showing up for his stuff and not going to your stuff, and you're not really invited to our stuff when he's invited to our stuff. Again, child of divorce hive, rise up. This is yep, going to feel... Yeah, it sounds familiar, yeah. Very familiar. 
Caroline decides she needs to go on the offensive. So she begins a propaganda campaign against George, aided by ambitious politicians um, who want like her kind of to rise and to be able to ride her coattails. These efforts include a public letter to George asking for more time with Charlotte, like literally in a newspaper being like, hello, this is the Princess of Wales. My husband is not letting me spend time with our baby and I'd really like to be able to. George, please let me spend time with our baby. Very public, not something that George is happy about. Um, George counters this by leaking Lady Douglas's testimony from the delicate investigation. So before it was just kind of known that there had been an investigation and that was scandalous enough. Now it's like, here's all the shit Lady Douglas said. And so Caroline's political friends then leak the testimonies from the servants and Mrs. Austin to be like, oh, but then a ton of people said it didn't happen. So maybe this isn't a big deal. You know what this sounds like? I think the other day, or not the other day, I think the, um, I had mentioned when I was doing the Ilaria Baldwin episode about Alec and, Alec Baldwin and Kim Basinger's divorce. And I had joked like, oh, does Trashy Divorces have an episode about this? They they do, and it's great. And so I went back and I listened to it. And this is like near identical. (laughs) I swear to God. It's literally what Alec Baldwin and Kim Basinger were doing to each other. They were like throwing shit at each other from like across, like from New York to California. And like, they were, like, publishing receipts. Oh, my God. And do you remember that, like, voicemail of him yes. calling her a rude, thoughtless little pig? Kim Basinger is the one who leaked that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really does sound like some A-plus Hollywood tabloid shit. Oh, and yeah. I love that. Divorce is divorce is divorce, baby. Amen. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's literally that. And so the people who are seeing all of these things going back and forth are generally siding with Caroline, Um, because they've always found her charming and better than George, who's always sucked. The couple's daughter, Charlotte, is also siding with Caroline, although obviously she's kind of like stuck in the middle in an awkward way. Uh, now it's time for a fun cameo. Jane Austen also sides with Caroline. What? And she wrote of Caroline, uh, specifically of this like public letter that Caroline published. Poor woman, I shall support her as long as I can because she is a woman and because I hate her husband. Amen. Need need that on a t-shirt. I need that. Yeah. Move. I support her because she's a woman and I hate her husband. <laughs> I've always said that if you killed someone and were let you like had gone to jail for killing someone, mm-hmm. I would back you up regardless of the details. Thank I you would so just much. be like, I trust that they deserved it. Yeah. If Sam did it. He true not to be ironic, but he had it coming. He had it coming. He just did. Despite this public support, Caroline's life in England is just no good. And so she finally decides to leave. Her political allies and her daughter are unhappy with this choice. But frankly, Caroline is in her eat, pray, love era. And she has to get out there. I gotta put me first. Exactly. So she negotiates a deal with Parliament. And she agrees to leave the country in exchange for an annual allowance of £35,000 a year. um, About $3.5 million a year now. And so... She gets 3.5 million or 3.5 million pounds a year. So she gets 3.5 million a year to just traverse Europe and not come back to England. Fair enough. It's not a bad deal. And so she peaced out. First to Brunswick, then to Switzerland, and then to Lake Como in Italy. And along the way, she hires Bartolomeo Paragami, who quite quickly rises to the head of her household. And by that, I mean... They were probably fucking. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it sounds like. So from early 1816, she and Bartolomeo go on a cruise around the Mediterranean, visit Napoleon's former palace on Elba, and they go to Sicily where Bartolomeo obtained the Order of Malta and a barony. Um, These are all very sexy places. I know. At this point, Caroline and Bartolomeo are openly eating together which is more intimate than the usual servant-princess relationship. They go to Malta, they go to Milos and Athens and Corinth and Constantinople and Nazareth. Caroline enters Jerusalem riding on a donkey and a, cat and a convoy of camels. God damn! <laughs> Bartolomeo is made a knight of the Order of St. Lazarus. Caroline institutes a new order of St. Caroline, nominating Bartolomeo as its grand master. Oh, jeez. It's a very romantic trip. This is a whirlwind. It really is. 
Um, everybody from, like, Lord Byron to, like, Hanoverian spies are just sure that these two are having an affair. Of course they are. Um, but no one technically ever finds proof. Bartolomeo does get his mother's siblings and daughter places in Caroline's household, and notably cannot find a spot for his wife. So his wife stays behind, and the rest of his family is in the household of the princess. So sorry, honey. Yeah, there's just no, uh, no space for them. I'm making bigger on my screen now. I'll turn around an excellent um, political cartoon of the two of them, which to which I'm like, we continue to stand. We, I don't think this is a cartoon at all. I think this is just a legend. <laughs> oh my God. What I'm like, say? Um, it says long is the short, the long and short of the tale, the long and short of the tale or the whole of the concern. Oh my god, look at them. So it's basically just saying, like, Bartolomeo is tall and gorgeous, and Caroline is short and a little English woman. But I'm like... But she loves him. I'm like, I'm, I continue to stand. Like, I can't, I can't help it. Go and get it. Go and get Caroline. it. Caroline. She's eating, she's praying, she's loving. Good. Um, sadly, her reputation era has to end, and it ends in the saddest way possible. No. Her daughter, Princess Charlotte, beloved by all, had recently married a prince, Prince Leopold. But in giving birth to their first child, she and the baby had tragically passed away, leaving England without an heir and Caroline without her only child. Oh, that's very sad. In another example of how bad George fucking sucks, he refuses to write to Caroline to inform her. He leaves that to the son-in-law Leopold to do, but Leopold is in deep grief and he del he's delayed writing this note. George does, however, write to the Pope and by chance the courier gathering the letter passed by where Caroline was. So Caroline heard the news like through a courier that wasn't even supposed to come to her. <laughs> Oh, it he sucks so bad. Jane Austen is right about him. <laughs> Agreed. So Caroline is devastated, of course. And on the more practical side of things, she's also politically fucked. Her real only hope of gaining power back in England was wait for George to die so that Charlotte becomes the queen. And then she and Charlotte have a really good relationship and she can like kind of be back in England living and doing her thing. Now that possibility is gone and there's no way for Caroline to really ever be back in the mix. And of course, George decides now's the time to make the separation from Caroline a permanent divorce. So fucking stupid. <laughs> like, why now? At the time, there's no such thing as a no-fault divorce, which is what most people who get divorced now do. Like, it's just like, hey, we're both agreeing to get divorced. That's what's happening. Back then, if you wanted to get a divorce, one of the parties had to basically be, like, found adulterous. Guilty of a crime. And George wants the divorce. He doesn't want any of his many affairs on his permanent record. So he has to prove that Caroline is the one having an affair. It's so funny because it's like, well, I certainly haven't had any <laughs> affairs except for the several affairs I've famously had. I know. Except for my official court mistress. Um, so George sets up a commission to gather evidence of Caroline's adultery. The commissioners are sent to Milan to interrogate Caroline's former servants and in London, Caroline's lawyer, um, and I, this is like a very British name, Broham, like something like that. <laughs> Broham, I don't know. Um, but Caroline's lawyer is concerned that the Milan commission could be a threat to her. So he sends his brother James to Caroline's villa to just get a vibe on like, hey, like, can you go visit Caroline and just see like, what's up? Like, is the Milan commission going to find anything spooky? And so James writes back to his brother of Caroline and Bartolomeo. They are to all appearances man and wife. Never was anything so obvious. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Uh oh. You know. And so Caroline's a little worried about this and she hates her stupid husband anyways. So she tells her lawyer she would agree to the divorce in exchange for money. Um, however, again, at this time, you can't just be like, great, let's get divorced. I'll give me some money and we'll be divorced. You have to prove that one of the partners ha was adulterous. And Caroline says it is, quote, impossible for her to admit that. Now, I'd kind of be like, queen, let's just... <laughs> Honey. Let's just be serious for a minute. And so her lawyers are basically like, okay, if you're not going to commit, like, if you're not going to say that you were adulterous, all that you guys can have is, like, a formal separation, and so Caroline's lawyers and like the government of England are discussing a deal 
where Caroline would maybe be called like Duchess of Cornwall instead of Princess of Wales. They'd be formerly, formally separated and they want to put some limits on her. Like they'll give her a certain amount, but like she's never allowed to come back to England. They want to mm. like kind of limit where she can go. At this time, Caroline's traveled to France, which gives rise to speculation that she's on her way back to England. And the government's like, whoa, 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 don't, no, 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 we don't want her back in England. <laughs> like, that's, that's part of this. She actually had not been planning to go back to England, but then George III finally dies. Caroline's husband becomes the king, and she's the queen of the United Kingdom. That's true. Weirdly, this does not make Caroline's life any better. <laughs> Everyone knows her husband hates her, and now her husband was king. So no one wants to be nice to her because her husband's got so much power. George wants her gone, but the government knows how unpopular George is. So they're like, the scandal of a big, huge divorce proceeding right now is not great. They're hoping they can just be like, take 50,000 pounds a year, which is like $6 million at this point, 6 million pounds nowadays, um, and just do not come back to England. But Caroline says, I'm in my Queen of England era, so no. Uh, I am going to go back. I've already had all these t-shirts printed. Exactly. And so she bids farewell to Bartolomeo. No! And she returns to merry old England. She arrives on in June and riots break out in support of her. Um, Caroline was really like a big figurehead for a growing radical movement that was like wanting political reform and un opposing the king who was like pretty unpopular. So like the wife that he hated who was very friendly was like a great figurehead for this movement. Enemy of my friend's enemy is the Queen of England. There you go. Uh, and nevertheless, the king still adamantly wants this divorce. <laughs> and so he submitted all the evidence gathered by the Milan Commission to Parliament in, I guess, like two giant green bags. <laughs> like, just like, here you go. She was definitely fucking Bartolomeo. Let's be serious. Like, after that, the guards mutiny. Like, there's this crazy, like, unrest of the people at this time. And so Parliament is, like, debating how to do this investigation, if they should even do the investigation, because so many of the radicals like Caroline. And finally they decide, like, okay, in secret, 15 of us will look at these bags and see what the evidence is. And the peers considered the contents so scandalous um, that they were immediately like, we have to strip Caroline of her title of queen and dissolve the marriage. Nudes. Yeah. Full, Nudes. I, don't, I don't know, but yes, like. Erotic letters. Erotic, the most erotic a letter could get. Erotic sketches. Yes. How, what, yeah, what do you mean by it's so scandalous? Like, <laughs> Etchings of his penis somehow? Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know, but they're like, she's gotta get out of here. She definitely was fucking Bartolomeo. It's Everybody knows she was fucking Bartolomeo. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Um, and witnesses are saying the couple slept in the same room, they kissed, they were seen together in a state of undress, and it's just like this big scandal. To her friends, Caroline jokes that she has indeed committed adultery once with the husband of Mrs. Fitzherbert, the king. <gasps> Burn. 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 I love it. So this trial's going down. The queen is still immensely popular. There's tons of petitions in her favor. And, like, plenty of revolutionaries are like, Caroline's the best. We love her. Here comes the moment that really sold me on this story. It's so quick, but when I got here, I was like, I gotta talk about this. As this is all going on, it's also the Napoleonic Wars. And on May 5th of 1821, Napoleon dies. And so Sir Edmund Nagel informs the king Sir, your bitterest enemy is dead. And King George replies, Is she by God? Oh no! <laughs> Literally, Napoleon fucking died. <laughs> and George is like, My bitch wife is finally dead. Oh my god, that's amazing! I hate him, but that's hilarious. That's so funny. <laughs> That's so funny. I, I like to think that, like, the courtier, whoever was like, that's hilarious. <laughs> Napoleon is dead. It is, it is Napoleon who's dead, but, uh, good one. Ouch. Good one, my lord. <laughs> good one, my lord. <laughs> um, so the trial, uh, is ongoing. As it goes on, Caroline's alliance with the radicals kind of ebbs away. Again, the government offers her 50,000 pounds a year, this time kind of with no strings attached, like, 
it's like take this money and go away but it's not like here are the strict boundaries of you going away it's just like please go and caroline's like yeah okay i'll just do it but she wants to go out in a blaze of glory good the coronation is coming up Ooh. and she wants to be there yes this episode's going so long but there's just so much to it it's perfect so lord lerpool tells caroline do not go to the coronation. <laughs> You're not invited. She's like, sure, I'm not going to the coronation. Why would I go to the coronation? Except that I am. She rolls up to the doors of Westminster Abbey. George has her fully turned away. She's turned away at the East Cloister and the West Cloister. Then she tries to enter via Westminster Hall, which is where, like, the guests are going in. So, like, not even, like, the side doors. Like, she's trying to enter through the main gate. And a witness described how the queen stood at the door fuming as bayonets are held under her chin. Like, you cannot come in. And the Lord Chamberman had to slam the doors in her face. Then she tries a back entrance near Poet's Corner, where she's met by another lord. And he was just like, please go back to your carriage. Caroline, I, look, I get it. I get it. Please go. But this is not the time. Um, unfortunately, this display kind of lost her some favor. A lot of the crowd was jeering at her as she rode away. And even her lawyer was like, come on. Like, messy. It was messy of her. It, it really messy. was. And now it's time for Conspiracy Corner. The night following Caroline's failed attempt to attend her husband's coronation, she fell ill. And over Aww. the next three weeks, she suffers more and more pain as her condition deteriorates. And finally, she died on the 7th of August, less than a month from the coronation. Poison. Was she poisoned? Yes. We can't now. Yes! Some people think it was just, like, cancer. Um, but it, the timing is so suspicious. <laughs> I think that that was the last straw for him, and he was like, all right, let's take her out. There you go. Could be. But it just, yeah, so he finally, he finally is, like, getting this trial through. So that was, like, when I was Googling, like, the first official divorced royals, Technically, they aren't because they never officially got divorced. They were just on the precipice and then she died. <laughs> but wow. very interesting. Um, Caroline is buried in Brunswick according to her wishes. Um, and also in her wishes, she wants her coffin plate to read, Here lies Caroline, the injured Queen of England. <laughs> nice. George does not like that and he refuses to allow the plate to be attached to the coffin. But, it's in Brunswick. He doesn't get to choose. But then during the coffin's route through London, her supporters rioted. Two people were killed when they were throwing stones and the military fired into the crowds. And at St. Peter's Church, a big fight broke out because they were the, the um, executors of her will were trying to screw this plate onto her coffin that said, Here lies Caroline. Yes! And it's removed by the order of the king. And the official plate has just, like, a Latin inscription. The unofficial coffin plate does still exist, and it belongs to the family of one of the Queen's executors, who occasionally send it out for historical exhibitions. So, like, I saw, like, a website talking about it when it was on exhibit at their museum. But, yeah. So that's just one of the messiest... That is so messy. ...royal couples with cameos from Jane Austen and Napoleon. Like, here's... Wow. So, and I just, again, like, the thing, some of the most horrifying parts of it, me, this to me is, like, it was just on site with them. It was just... They just were like, I am going to ruin your life. Yeah. They did Period. Not, there was nothing passive, like, because there's plenty of stories about royals who were like, they were not in love with each other, and so they avoided each other. Caroline and George really take it a step up. I have to say, I don't mean to bring it back to Alec Baldwin and Kim Basinger, <laughs> But it just keeps sounding like the same situation. Like, Kim Basinger was never really into it. They fought on set a lot. And then Alec Baldwin basically begged her to get married. And so they did. It was just, like, some crazy shit. And then they were both like, I hate you so much. I'm going to write several books about it. <laughs> it's incredible. Nowadays, so that probably would have happened. They set the standard for mess. Yes. And bless them for it. But so next time you're watching Bridgerton, just think about this happening in the background. Maybe they'll do it. Maybe they will. Well, I know in the Queen Charlotte TV show, which I did not watch, but I saw a lot of GIFs of, which in this day and age is basically watching. I heard it was fine. Um, I heard it was good. Um, I know, like, one of the big plot points that's interesting is, so Charlotte and George have 15 kids, a, a ton of which are sons, but they just all love fucking around. 
So, like, they did not have a legitimate heir to the throne for so long because all the sons were only having bastard children. Come on. And so Charlotte, the Caroline and um, George's son, or George's daughter, was the heir. And then when she died and her baby died, literally Char- Queen Charlotte sat down all of her sons and she was like, you all have to get fucking married and one of you bastards has to produce a child. <laughs> like, this is insane that I had 15 children and none of you can have a baby. Like, it's time to get serious. And so, like, multiple of her sons, I think, had, like, double or triple weddings with each other because they were all just getting married. Because I think she had been like, whoever of you has a baby first, fucking I'll give you a million dollars. Like, what? <laughs> what <laughs> like, is it going to take? So they were, like, in a race. And then that's how Queen Victoria was born, was that her father in that race. was in that race. And so she was the heir. Um, Good for her. But it's 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 bonkers bananas. And she went on to have a bunch of kids because she was really in love, too. Yes. And then she made their lives miserable also. Yeah, she wasn't like a super mom. No. Um, but she did love to fuck. I love I respect that. If you guys know Kate Beaton, who's like a comic artist, she used to do Hark a Vagrant. Oh my god, yeah. And she has a very funny comic series on uh Queen Victoria and Albert, her husband. And it's just about like how much she loves her husband and hates her kids. Like, yeah, the whole thing is just like, uh how like I think she was like writing in her diary like uh, like, what's his name is so, what is his name? <laughs> Albert, I think? Yes, Albert's like, Albert's so hot, we do it all the time, but I'm probably gonna have another fucking kid. Yeah, like, like let's... <laughs> that's, that, that was totally her vibe. That's their energy, for sure. Um, but yeah, Allie, here's another, uh, historical ride from, from me. This was delicious. Um, my, two of my favorite of your, um, episodes are... Lady Caroline Lamb and um, Bloody Mary. No, oh. so I love a historical messy gal. I just love women who are disasters. Are disasters. Me too. And thank you for bringing us more of them. And, my, and hopefully there are many, many more to come. My pleasure and my honor. Yes, and I thank will. You. I'll keep bringing them. Um, I'll keep bringing them, and then... We shall sing their songs. And we'll sing their songs forever and ever. Yeah. And I will get a t-shirt that says, for she is a woman and I hate her husband. (laughs) Um, um, But that's all for this week, folks. So I gotta say, bye-bye, horror honeys. We'll see you next Tuesday. I'm Horrified is recorded and produced by us, Sam Bierstow and Allie Gavin, in Boston, Massachusetts. Our art is by Leah Brouillard and Allie Gavin. You can find us on Twitter at I'm Horrified Pod and at I'm Horrified Podcast.com. And you can tell us what horrifies you at I'm Horrified Podcast at gmail.com. If you liked hanging out with us, tell your friends, share us on your socials, and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for stopping by, horror honeys.